Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. Boy, refreshing. Some of you have had a long week of work and, uh, and you've been doing this, that, and the other. Some of you a little bit tired. It's one of the great things about Friday night and Saturday morning is that, boy, that's, that's the ultimate refreshment. All due respect to my old company, Coca-Cola. <laughs> Nothing, the pause that refreshes is Shabbat, isn't it? <laughs> Ah, it's just absolutely wonderful. So no matter what it is that you've been through this week, no matter how challenging, how difficult, or even how good but busy it's been, you can just take uh, a selah, you know, take a, take a pause and just worship the Lord. I mean, how often is it during the week when you just are able to just worship the Lord? Hopefully it's more often than, than never, but at the very least, here is an opportunity just to kind of put other things aside, and to focus only on your Creator. Amen? Mm. All right, well, I've got a, a word for you. I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. I, I really, it's, I believe it will be a blessing to you if you, L-E-T, if you let God touch you. i got to tell you that generally there are three times in life, speaking about myself, I'm going to tell you something for me personally. There are generally speaking three times in life when people get especially impatient with me. <laughs> I'm not saying that there are not other times that people will get impatient with me, but I mean there are three times in particular where people will get particularly impatient with me including my own family, okay, <laughs> will get particularly impatient with me. Here, here I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I was, I was contemplating, thinking about it. Here are the three occasions where people get particularly impatient with me. Number one, bank or credit card transactions, okay? So banking, transactions, that kind of thing. That's number one. Number two, Buying a car, people get very, very impatient with me. I'll explain why. It may not be what you think. And number three, closing on a house, okay? Those are the three times, not that, that's, not that these things happen all the time, they don't. Why do people get impatient with me? Because I tend to read the fine print of the contracts. <laughs> and so you, you knew what was coming there. You know, sometimes the bank, you know, you, you start an account, they're like, okay, well, you just got to sign this one and this one, and they just kind of throw them out, and you're like, and, and, and these are standard forms, right? Of course, you know, the, the, whatever the, the branch of the major bank you use, it, there's 50 million people who've signed these forms. You know, their lawyers have been over them 50 million times. Exactly. Okay, so I'm reading this thing, and I guess, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, sometimes the, the, it's standard form, yeah. Yes, yeah, I know. Uh, okay. Or, you know, buying a car, uh, they have you fill out all the forms. Well, this is the odometer release. This is this statement. This is this. Uh, and, and listen, I'm not an attorney. Don't get me wrong. But by gosh, you know, closing on a house, whoo, boy, you know, you, you know, some of you, anybody who's closed on a house knows uh, you, you get writer's cramp from signing your name uh, frequently when you do that kind of thing. And, 
And so it's like, okay, now what is this one? Well, it's just the stand. And, and you, know, you can tell the closing attorney's like, I got another appointment coming in here in 10 minutes. You know, and, and, and even the family's like, uh, 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 hello, we, we, we'd like to catch lunch at some point or maybe even by dinner, uh, you know. And, uh, but, but man, I read, the, I read a lot of the fine print uh, with, with contracts. One of my kids is taking business law right now, and I took the same course, okay? So listen, I, I took business law, and, and I find it very important to look at the details before I sign a contract. That's, uh, that's one of the things that I do. Uh, Dara, who is singing here today, will tell you unquestionably uh, that, <laughs> that I'm, I'm really meticulous at looking at the, the contracts that Beth Hillel signs. Uh, I am looking at those very, very carefully. We signed the Passover Seder contract. You know, we had a hotel this year for a change. And, uh, and we must have sent that contract back to them. I don't know how many times. Dara was the intermediary. And, and I said, you know, I'm looking closer at this thing. And, and the, the fine print here, we're going to have to have them change that. And they're like, this is standard stuff that we do at all our contracts. Yeah, well, yeah. Not if you want our business. We're going to have to cross this out. You know, no problem. You just cross it out. You initial it. No problem. It's going to, you know, I had to modify it, right? Even the standard language of the contract sometimes. So I, I, I'm careful when it comes to such things because what you're signing onto now, you are bound to down the road. Mitch knows these things. He, he's worked uh, in, in, in accounting and legal circles. He knows this stuff, our service leader today, right? What you sign on to now, you are bound to down the road. And so therefore, I'm pretty careful about what I'm signing and I'm, I'm reading that fine print and I want to know what I'm getting myself into, right? I know some people just kind of automatically say, Matthew chapter nine, Matthew chapter nine, please. This is very, very interesting here, and, and, and the dynamic of this, the, I think the revelation that's in this, let's read about Yeshua meeting an IRS agent. I don't, I don't know if you guys know this. <laughs> I, I read that the new, uh, the new bill they just passed in Washington has got like billions of more dollars for the IRS. They've got a whole bunch of new agents they're going to be hiring. Uh, and so Yeshua himself actually met an IRS agent. Uh, it's right there in Matthew chapter 9. Who am I talking to about? I'm talking about, of course, the tax collector, Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He worked for the uh, IRS, the Israeli Revenue Service. <laughs> <laughs> But it was really uh, the RRS, Rome. You know, it was the Rome was uh, in charge back then. Okay, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. Let's hear about Yeshua meeting Matthew. As Yeshua was passing by from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. He said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Hmm. Wow. Now, this is interesting, and it's very interesting to me because, first of all, you got to stop for a second and say, it's not that Matthew didn't have a job. <laughs> uh, on the contrary, uh, it's not like Matthew was desperate to go somewhere. No, it really wasn't. Yes, tax collectors were we're certainly oftentimes reviled by the general populace. I think you can probably guess why, right? <laughs> I mean, tax collectors, especially back in those days, most of them were, uh, shall we say, unscrupulous. And, uh, and so, uh, and they were tax collecting, Jewish tax collectors, they were essentially collecting for the occupation government of Rome at the time. And so, and just generally, because they'd have to, you know, sometimes lean into people a little bit. They were not particularly popular. That's fair enough. However, they were also generally, generally pretty well off. 
And they oftentimes benefited from gifts from people, if, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Thankfully, our IRS is not, is not like that, right? But that's oftentimes what happens is, is that they were like, okay, you know, they, they made a lot of money on the side, shall we say, back 2,000 years ago, if you're an, a tax collector. Uh, and so they were actually comparatively pretty well off. So they were doing pretty good for themselves financially, and they were comfortable. They, they had the nice little, uh, you know, hut. <laughs> they had the nice home. And, uh, and, and things were, were, were pretty good, if you will, in that regard. So Mac, Matthew was actually in a pretty good position with a nice setup. He wasn't like looking to bail. This wasn't just you know, some homeless fellow who didn't, didn't have anything else to do when Yeshua came up to him. No, no, he, he was working his job even at that moment. And yet Yeshua said, follow me. George, you know, it's interesting because all that the scriptures actually report that Yeshua said is, follow me. Now, did he say more than that to Matthew that wasn't reported? Maybe, maybe, but, but if so, it doesn't say it. So think about that for just a minute. Now, you got to contemplate this. Uh, this these are real, Matthew's a real human being who was living his life in, in Judea and Samaria. He, Yeshua could have said, oh, excuse me, hi, what's your name? Matthew? Matthew, that's a great name, Matt. Okay, can I call you Matt? Sure. Okay, hey, Matt, you know, my name is Yeshua. Uh, can you take a look with me in Isaiah 53? I got something really interesting to show you. I want to show you in Isaiah 53. Here we are, Yeshiahu chapter 53. That's actually speaking about me. That's actually speaking about me, believe it or not. I actually am the Messiah. I want to make you an offer you can't refuse, Matt. Matt, I got an offer for you, Matt, that you can't refuse. Just buy some Amway. <laughs> and you too can be in my club. That's right. <laughs> he could. No. Yeshua simply said, Follow me. Follow me. And remarkably, Matthew, Scripture says, got up and followed him. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, think about it from Matthew's point of view. Matthew could have uh, said, uh, Dude, are you for real? <laughs> follow me? That's, 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 that's what, you, for real? For real? Follow me? That's what you're telling me? Like, who are you? First of all, I need to know what the salary is, what the benefit, what are the retirement plan? I need to know this if you're expecting me to get up from the tax collector's booth. Do you offer paid vacation, Yeshua? What, what, what are the benefits? I mean, Matthew could have said that. No, he got up and followed Yeshua. What? Remember that this man had it made. A good job and a distinct place in society. He was not hurting. He didn't seemingly need anything. And yet, boom, he got up and followed Yeshua. As we're thinking about this, flip or swipe a couple pages to Matthew 10. <laughs> Matthew 10, verse 37. Let's hear what Yeshua says. It's remarkable what Matthew did. Matthew 10, 37. Yeshua says, he who loves father or mother more than me isn't worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me isn't worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me 
isn't worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Oh boy, this is deep stuff, guys. This, this, is, this is important, important core. Beloved, if you really, really, really want to follow God, like if you really do, then there's a decision to be made. You have a decision to make. If you claim, if you're watching online, and if you claim you really want to follow God, and that's not just lip service, and it's not just, oh, to be a part of the congregational club, whatever a house of worship you attend, but, you know, to check the box so that when you're at, the, at work or something, you can say, yeah, I'm a member of whatever. That, that's not what this is about here. I'm talking about a relationship with the create, your creator. If you really, really want a relationship with your creator, if you want to, then there's a decision to make. Yeshua tells us that nothing can be placed higher than him in our lives. Nothing can be placed higher than him. Nothing and no one can be placed higher than him in our lives. And friends, Matthew made that decision. Matthew made that. It wasn't such a simple decision. Yeshua says that those who lose their lives for his sake will actually find their lives. But part, of, part one of that, though, is losing your life. Right? He says, if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. Okay, so, but if you want to find it, then you first have to lose it. You have to lose your life. Now, of course, typically this does not mean literally. It's referring to losing that part which serves you first. That's the part of your life that you have to lose. The part of your life that serves you first. You've got to lose that. Yeshua says that we must take up our cross and follow him, period. Now, it's interesting because people, believers, when they, they typically hear this passage, and they, and they hear, you know, take up your cross and, and, and they, they, they consider that as referencing what Yeshua did when he took up his cross. People say, oh, you got to take up your cross. People think, oh, yeah, just like Yeshua did. And I, I certainly think that that has a prophetic implication and validity to it. But Yeshua is telling us to take up our cross here before he himself has gone to the cross. It's interesting, isn't it? He's telling us that we have to be willing to make whatever sacrifices are needed to follow God. It was an expression back then. You have to be willing to take up your cross. In other words, whatever that is that may be weighty, persecuting, sacrificial for you, that which causes you to even lose your life. You must be willing to take that up in order to follow God. Are you there? Are you there? I ask you rhetorically, but I ask you to think in your heads, are you there? I present that most of us are not fully there. In fact, I, I really think that probably very, very few of us are fully there, present company included. This is a high standard, y'all. Wow, the calling is unbelievable. Matthew 19, swipe a little bit more on that smartphone. <laughs> or flip just a few pages. Matthew 19, very interesting story here. And it all relates to this topic. I want you to check out this interaction that, that Yeshua had with this, this young ruler. 
Matthew 19, 16. Now behold, one came to him and said, teacher, someone came to Yeshua and said, Rabbi, what good shall I do to have eternal life? Wow, now what a loaded question, right? What good shall I do to have eternal life? There's a little bit of an implication of what's this going to cost me? (laughs) What good shall I do to have eternal life? What works and all do I need to get done to earn eternal life? Okay, it's an interesting question from this young ruler. Now, if you follow the story, we're not going to read the whole narrative, but if you follow the story, Yeshua initially answers him and, and, and gives him sections of the Ten Commandments. Well, if, if you want to go to heaven, you got to do this, commandment this, commandment this. This is all Torah stuff. He tells him some of the laws of, from the Torah, from the Ten Commandments. This is what you have to do. But then the young man, in his response, pretty glibly says, yeah, 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 I've done all those. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, no, no, no. Oh, man, that is hubris. Oh, yeah, no, I've done all those. I've done all those. Friends, we all know this young man surely did not keep all of the commandments. You know that. I know that. The American people know that. <laughs> and friends, Yeshua knew this as well. And so Yeshua heard the answer this, this, this dude was giving him, and, and he saw his pride. And so then Yeshua was like, oh, okay, that's, that's how you're going to treat this discussion? Okay. Then he went for the jugular. Verse 21, Matthew 19, 21. Yeshua said to him, oh, okay, if you wish to be perfect, go sell what you own and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. (laughs) But when the young man heard the statement, he went away grieving, for he had much property. Then Yeshua said to his disciples, Amen, I tell you, it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Boy, that was was a serious spanking. Oh, man. See, beloved... Sadly, sometimes the more we have, the less we're willing to risk. Exactly. And and here, we live in the United States, guys. The most prosperous nation in the world's history. Sometimes the more we have, the less we're willing to risk. How much will you risk? (laughs) I love it when, speaking about the issue that this guy had, which was obviously his material things, I love it when some people come up to me and they say, oh, Rabbi, I don't want to tithe. I think that's an old covenant concept. I always chuckle whenever (laughs) they tell me that because, yes, of course, yes, tithing is in the new covenant also, no question. But the bigger issue here is that someone is not willing to get up and follow Yeshua. That's the issue. Because the only other model of giving described in the new covenant is when the early believers brought in 100% of what they had and put it all into the center to be distributed to those who needed it in the community. Read about it. It's in the book of Acts. So I'd ask the person, oh, okay, wow. Boy, what a blessing. You've come here. So you prefer this new covenant model. (laughs) Will you be signing over the house now or later? (laughs) Never had anyone say yes. Never had heard, never happened. Friends, that's not the point. This is what Yeshua was telling this rich young ruler. He understood the stronghold money had on him, and by extension, his unwillingness to do what Matthew did. Get up and follow Yeshua, period. It's, it's, not, it's not about the money. In fact, it's not about that at all. It's being willing to leave all else behind and follow Yeshua, period, end of sentence. Here's the truth. If we're being really honest about it, beloved, 
That's what God is really looking for from us, for us to be all in, to take all your chips and push them in. Again, I'm talking about in your life, who you are, to lose your life and follow Yeshua. This is what Matthew the tax collector did. He went all in. I'll tell you, this, this is exactly what God is looking for. Here it is. This is what God is looking for. Get ready, because when it struck me, it was like, wow. He's placing a contract in front of you and asking for you to sign it. And it's not even that you're not allowed to read the fine print. Here's the truth of it. The contract is blank. And he's still asking for you to sign at the bottom of the contract and to allow him to fill it in over time. Man, a blank contract. He told Matthew, follow me, period. What's in store for Matthew? Matthew signed the blank contract. He signed the blank contract. He got up and he followed Yeshua. Wow. Because remember what I said earlier, when you're, what you're signing on to now, you are bound to down the road. For somebody like me, <laughs> who likes to read every line of a contract, that's particularly hard. When I was coming up with the message, I was like, heart started having little. <laughs> That's a hard message, even. It's a hard thing to even say. Sign a blank contract. What? Who would ever do such a thing? I would never. Are you kidding me? I read every word of them contracts. I mean, you know, uh, sign a blank contract. And the Lord was having a discussion with me. Yes, son. Yes, yes. Any other questions? <laughs> Yeah, but, but, uh, but, but <laughs> I know it's different, Lord, but wow, that's, that's a tough one to swallow. Sign a blank contract. It just kind of goes against my nature as a business guy, you know, with my MBA from Emory. Let me tell you what, when I went to my classes in my MBA from Emory, the prestigious Emory University, they never told us one of the things you need to do is to be feel free to sign blank contracts. <laughs> they never taught us that. Not once. In fact, quite on the contrary. Now, Chavarim, this, this doesn't mean that, that, don't misinterpret what that means. This doesn't mean that God is looking for blind faith. Blind faith is picking your God by throwing a dart with a blindfold. Like, well, you know, that's, that's blind faith. No, it's really not what God is asking for. With all of the, listen to this. With all of the evidence that God is real, with all of the proof that Yeshua is indeed the promised Messiah, with the assurance that you have, having fully investigated if God exists and Yeshua is the Messiah, with this very steely, 
open-eyed, investigated knowledge that you worship the one true God, you are making a deliberate decision to sign your name to the bottom of a blank contract. Why would you do such a thing? Because you trust that God knows how best to fill it in. Because you trust in God. That's why you're willing to sign it. Not just, you know, on a wing and a prayer and, and buying a lottery ticket. No, 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 that's not what this is. This isn't just hoping. You know, you, you would never sign a, a blank contract with a car dealership. Why? You never you don't know what they have in it. You don't know what they're going to write in it. Why? You don't completely trust that used car a lot. Okay. But you should be at a point where you trust God. Completely. Romans, eight. see Romans 8. I'm going to give you a new look at Romans 8.28. You all know Romans 8.28. I'm going to give you a new look on it right now. Here it comes. Romans 8.28. Now we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It's very popular scripture, understandably, but it is typically read and perceived retrospectively. Almost every time anybody's ever talked about it, I've heard it referenced retrospectively. Literally, like every time I've ever heard the scripture quoted, it's done so retrospectively in, in position to what, wherever they're at in their life. Meaning that when something bad happens, one finds comfort in that verse knowing that things will work together for your good. Right? When something tough happens, you rely on Romans 8.28. Listen, although this seems bad, Hey, listen, that's okay. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And you know what? That's a fair read. I'm, I'm, I'm totally with it on that read. I'm, 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 I'm in agreement. That's a, that's a right way to read it, no question. However, probably the deeper meaning is prospectively as opposed to retrospectively. Probably the deeper meaning is prospectively, meaning in advance, in advance, what am I talking about here? Meaning that you have the confidence to sign your name to the contract not knowing what will be written in the contract but knowing that it will in the end work together for your good. Wow, you with me on that? That's a bit of a twist on Romans 8:28. So you understand, you believe Romans 8.28. You can't sign the contract unless you believe Romans 8.28. You can't do it. You won't have the trust in God. But if you believe Romans 8.28, then you can sign your name to the bottom of that blank contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why can I sign this contract? Man, who, who will sign a blank contract? You don't know what's gonna be put in there. The reason I can sign this blank contract is that I know that all things work together for the good who of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I love God and I'm gonna be working towards his purpose. So I can sign this blank contract even though it may be not all fun stuff in it. Very interesting, very interesting, it's very deep. It's about trust, it's about trust. Isaiah 64, Yeshayahu, Isaiah chapter 64, please. Mm. Isaiah 64, verse 7, it says this, But now, Adonai, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Did you hear that, my friends? He is the potter. We are the clay. We are all the work of his hands. Listen. Listen to me very carefully, clay. I'm talking to you, by the way, when I say clay. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm calling you Clay. My Linda got that. It's good to see my Linda up here. My Linda, okay, listen, Clay, do you trust the potter or do you not trust the potter? When he calls. <laughs> and, and remember this, beloved, here's the other thing that's, that can be disconcerting unless you trust the potter, is that in that blank contract, it's not like you sign it and then you get to see the whole contract and then you can review it and say, oh, whew, boy, okay, here's what's in it. No, 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 no. that's just not the way it works. No, more, the, li the lines of the contract are filled in over time. Each day, each month, each year, more of the contract is filled in. So you're signing a blank contract that, that, that is, you're not gonna see the completeness of for a long time. Year after year after year, more is written into the contract. And sometimes things are written in there that you might not like written in there. Sometimes things are written in the contract that if you were presented the full contract ahead of time, I know for me, I know what I would do. <laughs> I would read that contract like with a fine, here's the contract of my life that I'm signing. Okay, it's presented to me. Here's what your life's gonna be like. It'd be like, Okay, that's, oh, that's great. Oh, wonderful. Oh, what a blessing that's going to be. Oh, my family. Oh, yes, that's great. Hold on, this part. No. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. We need to renegotiate this contract a little bit, God. Because this part and this part, I don't want any piece of this part. Are you kidding me? No, 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 no. I don't want this in the contract at all. Can we discuss removing this part of the contract? I don't want, well, that part of the contract is, uh, is an important part of the whole picture. That's part of the whole contract. No, 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 hold on. I don't want, you know, we'd be trying to negotiate. There are parts of the contract I don't like. <laughs> there are parts of the contract that I'd prefer not be in there. That's the truth of the matter. But you got to be willing to sign the contract. The contract's still not done. You don't know exactly what's going to be in there. You got to understand that you're the clay. He's the potter. Romans 9. Romans 9 continues on that same theme about the potter and the clay. And what does it say? It says this. Romans 9 verse 20. But who in the world are you, O oh man, who talks back to God? Will what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Woo! That is intense. Who are, who are we? Who are you to talk back to God? What is formed, say to that who formed it, why did you make me, why'd you make me like this? Friends, we have to trust in our creator. We have to trust in our creator. Because guess what? So much of life is people who refuse to sign the contract. They refuse to follow God's laws they refuse to turn their lives over to God. Why? They want control. They want power. And they want what their flesh desires. That's what they want. Which is fully contrary to for example, Romans 12, which says that we should offer up ourselves as a living sacrifice. That's all in. Your whole life should be a living sacrifice. That's a high standard. I'm not beating around the bush with it. I'm not, I'm not offering you a discount. <laughs> I'm saying here's the contract. 
I'm asking you and encouraging you, there's no better decision that you can make to sign that blank contract with God trusting in Him. People struggle with, with self-image issues. People have a fear of the future. People are concerned about so very much. But if we truly trust God enough to sign the contract, those issues fade away. Why? You're all in. You signed the contract. I'm in. Come what may. Come what may. I'm in. You see, if that is your attitude, come what may, I'm in. I've, signed the, I've already signed the, the, the contract with God. I'm in. Doesn't matter what he puts in there. I may, I'm going to like a lot of it. I may not like some of it. No. I'm in. Okay, but then that, that changes how you look at everything. If you really mean that. Self-image issues? Well, I, no, no, no. You see, God, you made me just the way you made me. Thank you, Lord. I signed up for it. The future, what's the future going to hold? Oh my gosh, do you know the stock market took a huge tumble today? Oh, it sure did. It lost like 2.5% today. I had already written my message. 2.5% today. Billions of dollars lost in the United States today. Just in the stock market. Many, many billions and billions and billions of dollars. Just today, 2.5% stock market's down. You know, it's disappointing. I signed the contract. What's, what's going to be is going to be. My 401k, whatever, goes up and down. You don't have a 401k. Well, it's one less thing to worry about, right? <laughs> Get a 401k. That's, that's, not, what I was, that's not what I'm saying here. That's, <laughs> that, that, that could be part of your contract. The, the, the point is, is that whatever happens, though, it takes a lot of the stress off. Lord, you've got this. You're filling in the contract. I've already signed it, you see? You see? If we truly trust God enough to sign the contract, these issues fade away. Back to Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Matthew 6, Messiah tells us in verse 33, what, what does he say? He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> hey, don't worry. He's got this. He's got this. He's got this. Here, here is the great realization that I sometimes see in really old people who've been following the Lord a long time. And they wouldn't put it in these exact words, but but it's a realization. I, I, I deal with a lot of people. I've done, I can't tell you how many funerals in my time. And I've talked to plenty of people literally on their deathbed. And, and just oftentimes the sentiment I, I hear in people who are close to going on to be with the Lord people fear. People fear signing a blank contract because they don't want to be taken advantage of. They want the best deal. And truth be told, when it comes to a legal contract, oftentimes you want your lawyer, your advocate, to look at it and to approve it. But beloved, your advocate is the one who's writing the contract. 
there is no one who will write a contract that is, in the end, more advantageous to you than God. And so, highly favored ones, <laughs> have the faith and trust in God to sign his blank contract, you'll find that it's liberating. It's safe to sign it. And remember that in the end, when the last line is written into your contract, the next words that you hear will be from your advocate. Well done, good and faithful servant. The title of my message is Blank Contract. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord. I want to ask if there's anybody who's here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. If you've never given your life to God, then how about today? If that's you, and you've never said yes to Yeshua, but you want to today, lift up your hand and we'll pray together. Just raise your hand and say, yes, I want to follow God. If that's you, raise your hand. Perhaps you're watching online or listening to the podcast and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart. Say this simple prayer. Just repeat after me and say, dear God, I humble myself before you. I accept Yeshua into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, God, in Yeshua's name. Amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, if you're watching online, please send us an email. We want to celebrate with you. If you're here, please see me after the service. We want to also celebrate with you. And for the rest of us, I want to pray for, for everybody who's here and who's watching. Because the more we weigh into being willing to sign that blank contract, which means, by the way, losing your life, and concurrently means gaining your life, I want to encourage you to do so today. I want to encourage you that some of you may have been holding back and, and for, for many of you who, who are, are already in the house of faith, it's not, it's not every area. It may not even be most areas. But very likely there's some areas where we've tried to write a clause into the contract to say, well, yeah, I'll sign, but I reserve the right to change it under the following conditions. I've signed it, but not this part of my life. The other part of my life, that's fine, but not this part of my life. That, I still want some semblance of control over myself. That, I still want to, I reserve the right to do what I want to do, not what you tell me to do. <laughs> Beloved, I'm, I'm telling you, most of us have that part of the contract. Most of us have not signed a blank contract. It would be evidenced in our lives how we would be living our lives as a living sacrifice. I'm not pointing the finger at you. I'm pointing the finger at all of us, stage included. We all need work in that area. It's hard. It's, it's, it's as much of a selfless thing as you could possibly do. 
Yeshua said, follow me. Period. High standard. Lord, in the name of Yeshua, I pray for each and every person who's here today. I pray, Lord, that you help us all and those who are watching and listening. I pray that you help us all, Lord. Help us be willing to sign on the dotted line not knowing what's going to be written. Why? Because I trust you. We trust you, God. We trust you and we believe that you have our best interest at heart. And we know that you are the one who's writing the contract. And if you write the contract, then all things work together for our good if we love you and are called according to your purpose. So saith your word. I believe your word. I trust you. I'm willing to lay down my life here, Lord, because if I do so, I will find it. Mm. Thank you, Lord, for this. This is a blessing. Help us and teach us. I thank you for these things, oh God. Teach us in Yeshua's name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehel family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.